0: Hello foodie fans, welcome to The Big Food Talk, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. I'm your host, Sal Konka. This show supports restaurants, chefs, and food pioneers with your help. Head to bigfoodtalk.com to make your donation today Or check out our fun apparel line with proceeds going directly to participating restaurants. Special thanks to the Long Island Food Council, DineLI Facebook group, and Yelp Long Island for supporting this episode. Today I'm speaking with my friend Victor, owner of The Cook Studio in Hicksville, New York. With extensive restaurant experience and a diverse culinary background, Victor's learned he loves to teach people how to cook. There's a class for everyone from mozzarella making to paella and sushi. Don't miss out on this unique experience located in the only winery in Nassau County at Wine You Design. Let's hear from Victor. Hey Victor, welcome to the Big Food Talk. So great to have you here today. How's everything going for you during these times?
1: Uh it's going well. thank you for having me first of all. I love your big headphones, second of all uh it's going well, waiting like everybody else and and happy to do something like this and 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 get get it out there everybody is is itching to open and and we are no different
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, we're in that time now since I started the show, the transition right We've gone from complete like the peak of cases and everybody completely right. you know with a healthy concern staying in and we're at the point now, yeah. Let's get things back open in a safe, responsible way. But we need to keep the business community going. And you have such a unique business there. Uh, let's just dive right into that. You have a cooking school inside a winery. Correct. Tell me about the, Tell me about the this.
1: Cooking school within a winery. I mean, you said exactly what it is. It's a very unique experience. Uh, you know, I've been a chef for 30 years, a chef instructor for the last 15 plus years. or So I used to run the Culinary Academy of Long Island. Uh, so, you know, I, I have a culinary education in my blood and always wanted to do my own school and was going to open up one, uh, actually looking in main street in Huntington. And you can imagine what rents are main street in Huntington, although they're probably cheaper now. Uh, but as I was looking, I, 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 ran into Vincenzo who owns wine, U design, uh, we're both members of the, like you, long Island food council, and we just started chit chatting and he said, Hey, let's do it in the barrel room of the winery. And initially, he actually came up with the idea about five years ago, and initially I was against it. I was like, I don't know, it's a, it's a warehouse, we're in a industrial park, but now fast forward a few years, five years, four, five years, that's every hot spot in Brooklyn is an old warehouse. You know what I mean? So we said, hey, let's give it a try. About a year, maybe a little over a year ago, Let's give it a try in the winery. Again, in the barrel room, not in the tasting room, surrounded by barrels. I don't know if you can see them now, surrounded by equipment, surrounded by cases of wine. And, and we started it, and it took off and, and was going gangbusters until obviously everything went down. So you come in, and you know we include wine tastings with your class. So you're coming in, and, and you're cooking again in, in a warehouse setting, surrounded by barrels, drinking
0: wine that is made right on premise. Yep. And it's awesome. I, I can vouch for it myself. I've made the wine. I've had the food he's got a he had, before you were there. He had a pizza oven just to, you know, feed the people and you could bring in your own food. So it was always about yes. this like group setting gatherings Absolutely. there. And, um you know, now it's just transformed. Now you could do these cooking classes for corporate events and all sorts of things. And, you know, shout out, like we said, to the Long Island Food Council who introduced and connected all of us together, um, yeah. you know, through this time. So let's talk about your background. You mentioned a little bit you have culinary background, uh, you know, where'd you go to school? What's that look like? How, how did you get your training?
1: So, you know, I started washing dishes at 13 years old, at, you know, here on Long Island, Southampton Inn. It was my first summer job, and kind of loved it from the beginning. Uh, always liked cooking, I always tell people, really the most direct person responsible for my culinary career is Julia Child. She was the first uh, TV chef, so I remember watching her as, you know, 10, 11, 12 on, on, on channel 13 and going, that's pretty cool. I think I could do that. So, you know, pair that with first job restaurant setting, you know, anybody who knows restaurant, knows foods, you get into the action of it, the jazz of it. There's, there's a lot of things going on uh, along with the creativity. And then kind of never looked back from there, kept working summer and weekend jobs. And then eventually went to uh, NYU for hotel and restaurant management. Uh, realized that I hated school, ironically became a teacher, hated school, uh, you know, and, and really realized also that the, the quicker path or the better path to ownership was through the back of the house, for me anyway. Uh, so left NYU and then transferred to French Culinary Institute when it was French Culinary Institute. Now ICC, you know, I went in, in God 1989. I was the third class to go through that school. So, got my formal training, but then just, you know, stuck with it from there. Worked in the city, traveled around like a lot of chefs. Went to California, went to Florida, uh, Hampton, Shelter Island, all over. Did that for many, many years. Eventually opened my own restaurant. Uh, Did that for a few years, and then, like a lot of restaurant people will attest to, it is not great for family life. I always tell people I ended up selling my restaurant so I wouldn't get divorced. I got divorced anyway, but... You know, when my second son was born, I wanted to spend time with him. Again, not perfect for family life, owning a restaurant. So I I, I had two. I owned two restaurants at the time in Westchester. Uh, Ended up selling them and said, now I'm going to go do something else. And was lucky to find a teaching position in the Culinary Academy of Long Island in Syosset. And then realized once I started that, that I loved teaching. And stayed with them uh, until their unfortunate company closure for some 15 years, you know, rising up through the company, becoming the corporate chef, opening five culinary schools in the Northeast, and eventually being the campus president of of the Long Island location. So really, like I said, you know, fell in love with cooking many, many years ago, and then second half fell in love with with cooking education uh, some 15 years.
0: Sure. And, you know, we've talked about this concept on the show before, too. And just there's something about food and the way it brings people together. And you're doing it in a different way because you're teaching people about food and teaching people how to cook. What's your perspective on food and how it breaks down barriers and just brings people together? I mean, you, having owned restaurants, you've seen people come together in certain ways. What, what's your take on that?
1: Well, it's something everybody does and everybody can do, but they can't necessarily <laughs> do it like a chef. They, they kind of understand it. But, you know, everybody, like I said, eats and and has that memory. Everybody's, even a lot of chefs, what's your best food memory? Well, it's not something I cooked or or eating at the River Cafe in in the late 90s or anything like that. It's, hey, when my, uh, whatever, the last meal I had with my grandmother or when my grandfather taught me how to make this or, you know, my three-year-old ate a piece of sushi to get a dog. You know what I mean? There's things like that that you kind of remember. And, you know, once you're a chef, you know, you can do what everybody can do. You can do it better. Uh, you know, I always tell people if if you went to a party, some big time party in Manhattan, and there's a chef and a rocket scientist and a race car driver, uh, eventually everybody's going to want to talk to the chef because race car driver, yeah, we can all drive, but maybe not like that. We all can't go to the moon, right? They keep uh, scrubbing all these, these moon launches. So, you know, you end up talking to the chef because you could, you know, there's, uh, I'm a home cook, I'm a home chef, there's no such thing as a home chef, but people are trying to cook, like we were talking about before this started. Everybody with their banana bread recipes on Facebook during the quarantine, and everybody all of a sudden is a baker and is doing all of these things at home. So, again, it's something that everybody could do, everybody has a great memory associated with food, so it becomes this kind of thing that we all share and enjoy.
0: Sure. And you, you know, you joke, we joked around about the banana breads and the pizzas and things like that. Like what's a favorite dish? Like if you were teaching somebody that literally, what's that show on food network, the worst cooks in America, if you're like, I'm sure you get people in there that just really have no clue. What's the simplest thing to really teach somebody how to cook just to get started?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, most of our classes are, are the funny thing is, you know, most of our classes, people come here, they don't come here to learn how to cook, right? They come here for an evening out but they're also they're still getting the culinary education that I taught when I when I ran a culinary school, a, a full-blown professional culinary school. So we take them through the steps, and it's really always about the process, right? Chefs, we have mise en place. It's always about the method and the technique. Rather than the recipe. So when somebody comes into one of my classes, regardless if it's fresh mozzarella, if it's uh, non bread, if it's uh, sushi, whatever it is, everything is kind of laid out for them, and we really take them through the beginning. Okay, here's all your stuff. Here's where your uh, your knives are. Here has, here's how you hold the knife correctly. You know what I mean? And we take them through it and really teaching them the method and techniques first. You know, back in culinary school, I remember my first uh, midterm. I had to make a roast chicken, an omelet, and I think a soup. Very simple things, but hard things to make correctly. You know what I mean? Easy to make, easy to screw up, sort of a thing. So, you know, really taking people through, again, the methods and techniques, is it's more about that than the recipe. I print up a recipe for everybody when they come to class, and I leave clean copies because they get stuff all over them. Most people don't take the copy with them because they remember the method and technique. You know, we do paella class, and people go, I can't make what do you mean, paella? And then at the end, when they're eating the paella, I can't believe I made paella, but now I know how to make it. I don't need the recipe. I, you told me about the portion of, or the ratio of liquid to, to rice, and about sauteing everything first, and uh, keeping the temperature here. You know, understanding that is far more important than a recipe. When people ask me, for what's your recipe for tomato sauce? I don't know. I don't have one. Sure, I'll <laughs> give you a handwritten one, but i probably make it different Every time, probably comes out the same every time. You know what I mean? If I don't have this canned tomato and I only have fresh tomatoes, okay, I know how to make that. If I only have canned tomatoes because it's winter, I know how to make the sauce taste correctly. So it becomes more about that than about the actual recipe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it comes from repetition, right? Like I like anything else. I mean, you go to school, you learn the techniques, but then yeah. you have to repeat them. It's it's like, you know, just constantly how to cook a steak in a cast iron skillet, how to barbecue right. a burger, how to make a pizza without burning it, right? It's just it's these little little things. Right. Um, you have to
1: do it over and over and over. And I can't tell you how many yeah, steaks yeah. I've cooked and pizzas I've made. And you know, you it, that, it it just kind of becomes second nature. But for a chef, you know, it's not just about that food item it is how they operate in the kitchen you know it's controlled chaos in a kitchen and it is yes you know just because somebody can make the best blah 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 ever you've ever had doesn't make them a chef doesn't make them i remember i went on an interview however many years ago and and this is the hot thing now uh, or now in the industry you know if you want to be a chef at a restaurant they want you to cook so i remember going on the interview it was the first time somebody asked me that and i was like you want me to come in and cook? I go, my grandmother will come in here and make you the best meal you ever had. Doesn't mean she could run your kitchen. Yeah. So I went in, I cooked them whatever I made, and they loved it. But I was like, yeah, when I was there, this was broken over there. You had four cans of extra virgin olive oil open. You have this over here, blah, 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 blah. blah. So it becomes about all of it. Being a chef, I used to tell the students at the school, I go, you remember, Now to some people, this is an old movie, The Matrix, right? I go, do you remember at The Matrix when he got it, when he saw it, and it was all, and he was just moving slowly? That's what it's like when you're a chef, is that you kind of get all of these, and it really goes back to that mise en place thing, that you have everything you need ready. I get everything ready, then I start cooking. And everything ready means... I have my pan here and my oil here and my tongs here and my garlic already chopped over here and this. And now I have my mask over here and my gloves over here and all, you know, we've been wearing gloves for years. So, you know, that's what really being a chef becomes about. It's not just recipes. So going back to what we started with is, yeah, people will ask me for a recipe for X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And they think I'm pulling this out of some folder. I'm just Mm -hmm. going and typing it and emailing it to them. So it becomes, like when we teach the classes, I have my recipes I change them literally for every class. Because when I go to the market or I go to restaurant tipo, I may get a different type of whatever, pepper or onion. And, you know, and if you understand, yes, I could use a shallot in place of a Spanish onion. Of course you can. You know what I mean? So this way you can adjust, whereas somebody might look at the recipe and go, oh, my God, now I have to go out and buy a shallot. No, you don't. You have onions. Just use the onions. So it becomes a, a, a lot about that. And I try to impart that in the class.
0: And I think that's where some people struggle with cooking so much at home, even, or, you know, just in general, they, they struggle with cooking because they don't understand they, they focus on ingredients. Well, if I didn't get that one ingredient, now what do I do? I can't figure it out. And, you know, and it can be more simple. Cooking is about improvisation, you know, and that's it's interesting that you talk about the chaos. If you think about creative arts, you know, even entrepreneurs, we talk about I'm a filmmaker, right? I'm a musician. These things like cooking, these creativity things, you have to see the world as the matrix. You have to see it as a big picture in order to create that organized chaos like you talked about um, and be able to put it on a plate and then plate it beautifully. Um, I played it beautifully
1: and have somebody enjoy I mean it really I, you know I tell people you know when I write a menu or, or a recipe or think about something I'm not just thinking about that or, or even the final plate presentation I'm thinking about from the beginning where am I getting that food from and and what what's the season and what's going to be best and what's going to be easiest and how is this going to work and how the whole thing like It's like playing, to use another movie reference, what was that, Beating Bobby Fischer? Was that the name of the movie? (laughs) About the chess reference. You have to be six steps ahead, you know what I mean, to see the whole chessboard from the beginning. Again, one recipe, I mean, and chefs get this all the time, what's your favorite recipe? And I say, that's like asking me which is my favorite kid. Okay? It doesn't work that way. You love all of them and you understand all of them. And, you know, even though I have picky eaters as kids, when I make them anything at home, it's made from scratch. The pancakes are from scratch. The pizza's from scratch, you know what I mean? They get the best grilled cheese sandwich they ever had in their life. And they're <laughs> kind of used to that, you know what I mean? So, you know, just understanding and, and respecting food was one of the best uh, pieces of advice I got from a master chef that I worked for, was respect the food. Realize here's this food and understand it. And, and you know, now we know more than ever that, you know, some farmer uh, had to give his life for that, not give his life, but worked really hard for that and this here's these people working in this plant for this and anim- and this animal gave its life for you so if you look at all of those things with food and understand that and and try not to waste any part of it, it it really ends up helping that final dish rather than just say I created this dish and let me take a picture of it and you know and there's a lot of chefs out there who do that a lot of chefs yeah. who do things for shock value and, and for uh, various reasons or just for the picture. Great. That's a great picture. But to me, as a restaurateur, can a waitress carry six of those out? No. Then then, then not, that that shouldn't be in a, in a magazine. You sure. know what I mean? It has to be real. So I'm sure I went off the topic.
0: You definitely did, but that's okay. I mean, that's I mean, we're not, th- this is just a casual conversation as it is. And I, I, I like that about it. But plus, because I know you already, right? So it's not like I'm, Ticking your brain for the first time. Yeah. I, I know your personality, and and, and we. It's getting me this. to shut up is the trick. I mean, that's really yeah. I you know, like I, I can't find a break to ask another question, but that's all good. Yeah, uh, no, it's all good, man. And um, you know, I I I like the way you're talking about, you know, this appreciation of food. And I've seen one of the good things that I've seen out of the the crisis that we're in or the pandemic, whatever words you want to use, but you know, people are paying more close attention to ingredients. They're starting to understand where their food comes from because the food chain, as we've seen is fragile. And that's one of the interesting things that came out of what's going on right now is how fragile this food chain is we have in the U S and how important it is now to really, where is my local suppliers. Where can I get things locally? You know, I spoke to, um, you know, somebody at Green Hill Kitchen, uh, Maddie uh, Bordeaux at at Green Hill Kitchen in the North Fork. The North Fork on Long Island is a whole different community, a whole different animal. You know, they use their farms out there. They utilize the ingredients that they have locally. And, you know, the rest of Long Island, you know, they're detached from that in in certain ways, and especially the rest of the country. Um, I watched a documentary recently called The Biggest Little Farm, which is about apricot farms in uh, California. It was a really interesting documentary because it talked about getting back to traditional farming and getting away from factory farming. You know, the process took longer, but at the end of the day, they created this ecosystem that when most of California is going through a drought, they're actually have they have water because they have, you know, uh, supply and the, the the ecosystem supplies itself. So anyways, I'm going off tangent now, but <laughs> um, it, it's really at the, the end of the be all. Yeah. It's really important. I think for people to learn how to cook at home because you need to know where your food comes from. You need to understand and understand ingredients that are in season. These days are important things to a chef. So as you're planning your menus and you're you're planning your cooking classes there at, at the cook studio, mm-hmm. How many different recipes have you cooked so far? Like how varied is it? I mean, what's like the most popular classes or what's the most varied? Do people, can people request their own? Like if I just say, I want to learn how to cook sushi, it's particularly a particular type of role. Will you do that for me? Custom classes, things like that. Well,
1: w- we do custom classes. We do a ton do or did and will do again, a ton of private classes, a lot of corporate events. Uh, we are limited though. It is not a full blown commercial kitchen here so but i have about 24 i actually added another six or so about 30 or so uh give or take classes that i offer uh that are again you know people want to come out for fun stuff i could teach you everything i mean i could see te- you know as an example you know my fresh mozzarella class sells out my sushi class sells out any of my fresh pasta classes which is cabatil, uh cabotille, uh gnocchi uh ravioli those all sell out quick I've also, coming from a culinary school, professional culinary school background, hey, I'm going to do a knife skills class, and I am going to do a salmon cookery class. Those didn't sell out, okay? Those aren't as much fun. Sure, they're great, and and, and there is a certain amount of people who want them and need them, but the other part of, of me, and, and, and hopefully a lot of chefs who are chef owners, is it's a business. So you give the people what they want, you know what I mean? So, you know, I could... I could put, I could teach everybody everything, but certain classes sell better than others. Again, the ones that are kind of fun and, but also maybe daunting for a home cook, like I was saying paella earlier, you know, one of my most popular classes, I do a Cuban class because everybody goes Cuban, what's that? And then, you know, we do the ropa vieja and the tostones. So, you know, I do sushi class. So there's enough to keep people interested, but it, it, things that are also recognizable. Like I said, my fresh pasta classes always sell out. The fresh mozzarella class, I mean, I could probably do those every week. You know, that that's kind of what we started with and it's still one of our most popular classes. So it's, it's finding that middle ground of what's going to sell because I don't want an empty seat, especially now that I'm going to be forced to be at 50% capacity. I can't afford to have an empty seat. So I can't afford to say, hey, I really want to teach somebody how to make – Uh, monkfish wrapped in uh, you know local bacon and blah 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 sauce on top (laughs) no I'm you know 25 people or you know our maximum used to be 30 something people I I always tell my chefs would come up with all these different recipes hey we should teach this and we should teach that and my question was do 30 people want to come take that right on on a Saturday night and drink a couple of glasses of wine and do that if the answer is no then, okay, so it can't be about yourself. Like, it can't be, hey, I really want to show them how to make pate. Love making pate. 30 people don't want to make pate. You know what I mean? It's just not. Or or if there are, are they all going to be available and free that one night and want to pay $75 uh, plus processing fee to do that? No. (laughs) So finding that, again, the classes that are popular, and after doing it for a year, I've figured out the winners, and I've tweaked some of the other ones that I know, eh, aren't gonna, I mean, I could do a pizza class probably once a week. I've stopped doing pizza classes because we only have one pizza. oven. Now pizza is the most pizza. I mean, it's great and we make the dough, we make the sauce, we make the cheese and do all these crazy things with the pizza, but pizza, so, and that's one of the classes that in the new setup, I am probably not gonna do because it's something that needs to be done kind of communal style around the one pizza oven. We're not gonna do that for, for the time being. So there'll be some adjusting for social distancing issues.
0: Sure. And I think it's important, like as other business owners are listening to this and things like that, I mean, this is great advice because you need to focus, follow the money, right? Like in a time like this to be able to make money. And this is what we've talked a lot about is, you know, how are restaurants pivoting, things like that. And that's why you've seen so many restaurants go to the family meals and other things that travel well for takeout or can be reheated well. One of my best experiences with a restaurant was when they gave it to me. I actually got delivery the day before, but it all came in packs to be able to be reheated the day the next day for a holiday, right? And that was a great experience for me um, as opposed to getting the the fancy food that just yeah. now it's basically dead. You know, you can't, it needs right. to be it doesn't, it
1: doesn't sell, it doesn't travel well. Correct. You know, like I was saying that, that is, it's something that a waitress has to bring to a table. Now it's something that somebody's got to bring outside, drop off, and they have to take it home and possibly reheat it. So yes, you know, me and all, you know, chefs, tours. But you know, I'm wearing my owner, entrepreneur, businessman hat more than my toque. You know what I mean? To say, okay, you know, everybody could sit and go, woe is me. Oh my God, my business shut down. But we're all literally all in the same boat, all in the same place. So how are you going to pivot? How are you going to move forward? You know what I mean? So I'm looking at it that I am reopening my business. Okay. But I'm looking at, I don't know if it's silver lining, but I'm reopening my business, but I already have a clientele base. I already have 2,000 likes on Facebook. I already have my infrastructure built. So I just got to build it up again. And the truth is, and if you were to start a new business, you would never be at 100%, right? If you gave a a performer with that in business school, you'd fail the class. So you have to plan on doing 50%, maybe 25%. You know, that's why there's the highest failure rate in the restaurant business, as we know, is because, you know, everybody thinks, hey, every night is like Saturday night. No, it's not. Now every night is like Tuesday night. So can you survive doing that? And how are you going to do that as a business person? So yeah, maybe, you know, chef owner, you don't need to be as creative and you don't need to be as, oh, I want to do truffle foam. Yeah, eh, maybe not. You know what I mean? (laughs) Do what's going to get people in the door and that you can do safely. And, you know, like I said, wear your business person hat. You know, I've been spending all my time, you know, buying my uh, you know, thermometers and, and, and logoed masks and my COVID-19 binder and UV lights and and disposable pencils to fill out a questionnaire. I mean, really, you know, that's been my whole focus. And then, oh, let me write some new classes. That took me maybe an hour to write six new classes, tracking down all the stuff that I might need because we, you know, everybody doesn't know exactly what we're going to need food service wise. So it's, let me, you know, I started pricing out plexiglass shields and, and floor wow. stickers and all of these different things. So, you know, it, it's, it's, again, you could sit back and go, wow, I can't wait to get out there and cook and create. Yeah, but this is the new, right? The new normal, everybody's exactly. calling it. How are you going to function in that? And those, those are going to be the people who are going to survive this. And as we all know, there's going to be a lot of people who don't survive and that are, there's going to be a tons of restaurants, unfortunately, that are just going to fade away. You know what I mean? There's going to be no story on there. There's going to be no Facebook stories about them going away. You're just going to go, wow, that place closed. And, and you're going to know why. And, it, and it's really unfortunate. I mean, that's what it is. And it's going to be the mom and pops. It's going to be the small business owners. But again, to the, you know, what's going to happen, the people who can pivot, the people who can go to look at the whole thing and go, okay, how can I change how am I going to survive and how how long can I survive at 25%, 50%, you know, it's not going to be back to 100% for who knows how long. So yep. that, that, you know, like I said, I've been wearing my, you know, my accounting hat uh, as much as my token.
0: Yeah, and I, I think all of that is uh, just Great information. It's 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 the reality of the situation. And you know, it's it's hard when people speak the truth sometimes because it's a tough pill to swallow. But that that is the reality of the situation. And um, you know, it's one of the reasons we started the show here is to help these businesses get a sense hear from other business owners as well in terms of what they're doing, get more ideas, help, you know, and that's one of the beauties of what's going on too is collaboration. It's it you can attest to it. I mean, you and Vincenzo came together at Wanyasana Cook Studios. The collaboration I think is what makes your space a beautiful thing. Um, talk more about the wine and the pairing. So we're going to have Vincenzo on, right? He's going to tell me all about wine. But how do you feel about pairing wines with foods? Like, is that all true? Like red wine should go with a steak, white wine should but, go with fish. How, how do you feel about wine and food? So
1: I'll tell you it's true to an extent. Uh, you know, and one of the reasons why, uh, and you know, Vincenzo, our personalities work really, really well together. And I've known a lot of wine guys, uh, wine people over the years wine snobs they become Vincenzo is the furthest thing from that. You know, the you know the, the truth is drink what you like. You know, if you're having a steak and you want uh a Pinot Grigio, drink it. Who, who the, the wine police aren't coming to get you, but <laughs> understand that that wine maybe isn't gonna be strong enough against that. So almost like the 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 cooking, understanding the method and techniques, understanding how things work together. Yes, reds go better with beef and cheeses and because they could stand up to each other and it changes them, blah, 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 blah. Great. You could also drink what you want. I mean, you know, my girlfriend doesn't drink. She wants a Diet Coke with everything. Okay, great. You know, that's what it is. So is there a truth to it? Absolutely. Do you have to follow that? No. Do we try to match up when we have the classes with what people like? Absolutely. Now, as you know from this place, most of our stuff is hearty red wine. I mean, we and Vin has just started making white wines to take care of the people who don't want the hearty Italian red ones. But there are, there's definitely nuances of which ones will go with if I'm doing a Thai class. You know, when I throw him the curveballs, all my Italian classes, he, we could pretty much match anything to that. But yeah, when I do the sushi class, I do the Thai class, I do an Indian class. That's where he's got to think a little bit and go hmm, okay, that's a little bit of spice up front, or that one's spice on the rear. Which of my wines is going to go better with that? You know, and then we, we pair it that way and give the people the samples. But if somebody comes up, I don't like that, can I have something else? Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's, at the end of the day, it's about making people happy and making them enjoy their experience. So we talk about the pairings themselves and, 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 and our thought process a little bit, but not to the extent that, you know, the, the sommeliers may do it and yeah there's a lot of uh suggestion in that you know i mean and vin does this when he does his tastings right out of the barrel he'll say okay you you know do you taste notes of uh chocolate and leather yeah i take yeah i do he go i just said that and it's in your head now you know what i mean so there's so and i've tried that i've done that in the class where go yeah do you taste the you know do you taste the plum and the honey yeah i do Really, I just made it up. So, you know, there's, sure, is there something that's more oaky or more hearty or more fruit forward? Yeah, there's a lot of that, but all of a sudden people start tasting things and I taste uh, honeysuckle and lavender, well, how do you know what lavender tastes like? You chewing on soap bars? I mean, it's just, you know, it, 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 it again, not unlike the cooking, people can take that too far. Take sure. a good thing and for their own ego, oh yeah, Oh truffle foam, right? Oh, yo, you have to eat. Oh my God, you had, you had a steak with white wine? You could put you in jail. I, I wanna- this reminds
0: me of, uh, there was an episode of Penn & Teller's Bullshit. I don't know if you've ever seen the show, but they basically set up people in a restaurant with a water sommelier. So they right. set them up with a water sommelier. They gave them like water from the French Alps and from the Alaskan River and like, you know, wherever this water was from, every single bottle was filled from the hose out back. <laughs> Right. So it was great. And like, so they, it just plays on people's emotion if they're in this fancy setting and they're in right. this place where you can tell, oh, do you taste the hints of the floral aspects right. of the rainwater that gets filtered through the right. charcoal right. rocks? So anyways, the beauty of what you guys are doing there. It's fun. It's casual. There's no pretense. You come as you are. You have a good time. It's people that want to eat, people that want to drink. So, uh, Victor, I really appreciate you coming with me today and talking with me about everything that's there. How can people get in touch with The Cook Studio? When are classes starting up again? Where can they book them? What's coming up?
1: So, uh, www.thecookstudio.com. So, go to the website. I just did my full calendar for the rest of the year. It's a limited calendar. It's only uh, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. I mean, we were going almost seven days a week here, and I'm going to start to add more classes. Uh, but there are people who, you know, want to say, "Hey, I feel more comfortable." I already have a couple of classes in September, sold so out. Like I was mm-hmm. telling, you. so there are people who want to say hey when can i come back or people that didn't take refunds and i processed a lot of refunds but there were plenty of people who said no nope, we're going to wait till this blows over we're going to support local business and as soon as my my site went up there Uh, coming and and booking the classes so yeah go to go to the website has all the information about uh, upcoming classes you book it right through the website I even added a leave a gratuity if you want for our wine pourer so you don't have to do cash while you're on the website and like everybody else or everybody else should have right on the splash page is our COVID-19 class logistics which a lot of this stuff we did beforehand we wore you know we wore gloves and sanitized everything and and everybody made their own food nobody shared everything now, we're going to spread everybody out. Everybody's going to be six feet apart at their own five-foot table. And you know it. We're in a warehouse. So I have no social distancing issues. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, uh, unfortunately, a lot of restaurants out there that are in a very enclosed space. How are they going to do that? There are places that can't They can't do the 36-inch for fire code. <laughs> Never mind for that. So I'm lucky they could do it. But like I said, that, my whole class logistics are on there. Yeah, so everything you'll ever need is on the website.
0: Awesome, Victor. Well, thank you so much again. I'll be seeing you guys soon, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Sam. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Food Talk, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. Subscribe on iTunes and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram for behind-the-scenes takes, or watch complete episodes on YouTube. Don't forget to make a donation at BigFoodTalk.com.